In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by lay the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Guadalupe, pray Saint Joseph, Saint Natius, O God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning. Hopefully, hopefully you won't be able to say there's something wrong with the microphone and you'll say, and also with you, right? <laughs> So, the retreat is not over, but we have to say we've arrived at the best part of the retreat. So don't pack up yet. I can give you a baseball analogy. Bottom ninth. The Royals are losing three to nothing for the Cubs, whichever is your your favorite. Bases loaded. One swat of the bat, grand slam, four to three. The Royals win. You know, it was just one second, one swat of the bat. It goes from three to nothing to four to three and they went sometimes that happens so it was the just just the last moment of the game you have a full morning so take advantage of it I honestly believe that perhaps perhaps this is going to be the best part of the retreat for all of you. That's my prayer. Because we've arrived, if you know the terminology, we've arrived at what's called the Paschal Mystery. Have you heard of that before, the Paschal Mystery? It's the, the very Holy Week, and then you've got the Easter Triduum, and then you've got the Paschal Mystery, which would be those three days, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, culminating with Easter Sunday. That's where we're at right now in the retreat. And we have to cover all that in a couple hours, but still I think we can receive many graces if we're walking with, with Jesus and Mary and our guardian angel.
In the spiritual exercises text of St. Ignatian, there are what are called annotations for the spiritual director. Annotation number five indicates the disposition of soul that we should have. Especially as we head toward the end, we should be all the more generous. And this is the word, this is the word that's used. It's a big college word. It's a compound Greek word, mag, magnanimity. You ever heard that word? It's a, it's a big word, magnanimity, magna anima. The opposite, the opposite would be pusillanimity. Magnanimity, pusillanimity. How about that? Put that feather in your hat. <laughs> okay. Something wrong with the microphone and also with you. <laughs> Amen or oh me? Oh me, oh me. I'll try this. <laughs> Variety is the spice of life, we say in New York. <laughs> So we're going to be meditating upon the Paschal Mystery. Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> I'll blow your wig off with this one here. Yeah? <laughs> you have a wig, I don't know. The Paschal Mystery, which is the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's the totality of your meditation this morning. And it's the very heart and center of our Catholic faith. You might say that our Catholic faith is built on two pillars. The incarnation and birth of Christ, the beginning of his life, in Bethlehem. And then it culminates on Calvary on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. So off the bat, um, I'll give you biblical passages to meditate upon and then we'll give you a, a handout. Okay, if you want to get to know the Bible, the synoptic gospels, that's called Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Synoptic means sameness. They have more or less the same themes. You can find the Paschal Mystery in the last three chapters. Remember that? So, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The last three chapters you find the Paschal Mystery, which is the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So the the last chapter of those synoptics is the resurrection in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
So two chapters before that, you got the Passion of Christ. So how many chapters in Matthew? 28, right? So where do you find the resurrection? 28. Where do you find the Passion of Christ? 26, 27. Okay, got it? Mark, how many chapters? Well, there were not Protestants. Okay. Mark 16. There are 16 chapters. So the resurrection is Mark 16. Passion would be 14, 15. Okay, Luke. How many chapters? 24. Okay, so where do we find the resurrection? Luke 24. How about the Passion? 22, 23. If you learn this, your Protestant friend are going to be impressed. Oops, Catholics know the Bible pretty well. Okay, now John, it's 2-2. Two, two. John is 2-2. Two, 2, two. you got 2 with the Passion and 2 with the Resurrection. So how many chapters in John? 21. So where do you find the Passion? Eight, you got 18, 19, 20, and 21. Okay. Did you hear me? Now, if you... You can learn that. I'm giving a little biblical lesson. That's huge. So you can find the very heart of the gospel in the last three and three or four chapters. So that's going to be your meditation the whole morning. You choose whatever you want. You're not going to be able to get through all of it, obviously, but choose whatever you want. And I'm just going to pull out pull out one or two ideas for the talk now and the talk I'll be giving in about an hour. Okay, but I'd like to start once again with a summary of a movie that some of you have probably seen. And if you can understand the summary of the movie, this movie, you'll understand this whole morning, and you'll understand the whole purpose of this, of this retreat. Okay? Uh, some of you have probably seen this movie. If not, hopefully you will see it. Okay, it came out and it was first done in Spain, then in Mexico. It's called Marcelino Panevino. we got a couple of Mexicans here. Marcelino Panevino. Okay, the translation in English would be The Miracle of Marcellinus. Have any of you ever heard of that movie? Okay, only, only, only a few of you. I would encourage you, that's another movie to see. The Great Miracle and the Miracle of Marcellinus. With your permission, give me, give me four, about four or five minutes to give you a summary of it. But it's a tearjerker. It's, if you watch it, it's probably one of the movies that's going to move you most in your life. Okay, there's been about four versions. The last one that came out was terrible. Okay? It was perverted, the last version. But the one that was done in Spain and then in Mexico, I mean, it's a, it's a literary, cinematic masterpiece. Okay, a, a cliff note summary of this movie. It's a movie about a little orphan boy that's placed in a bassinet, you know what that is? At the, at the footstep, at the entrance of a convent of Franciscan monks. So the mother has placed her child there. 
They open up the door and this baby is crying. So the Franciscans, they have to have discernment. What are we going to do with this little kid? We're Franciscans, we have our activities. So Father Superior calls together the others and they decide they're going to adopt the little kid. Imagine that, okay? Franciscan convent having a little baby there. So they adopt him and they accept him as one of their one of their community members. So when he's he grows, he's about maybe four or five years old. My mom would always say the terrible threes if you have little kids, no? Is it true? They get into everything. They're curious, they're running around, they take from the cookie jar, they're, you know, the terrible threes. We all went through them and your kids went through them. So he's, a, he's about in the terrible threes. Or maybe the glorious fours, okay? So he climbs up to the, to the uh, second level of the convent and he opens up the door and what does he see? He sees a cross, a crucifix on the wall. Not a Protestant crucifix, but a Catholic. you know the difference? Protestants, they don't have the corpus, whereas we have Jesus on the cross. So a Catholic, a Catholic crucifix. So the little boy looks at the man on the cross and he starts to talk to him. He says to talk with him. And he sees those nails in his hands, the nails in his feet, the crown of thorns impressed on his skull, and he sees his open side. And he's moved to compassion. He starts to talk to him. And Jesus from the cross responds. So there's a conversation between this little four-year-old boy and Jesus on the cross. So they're having a heart-to-heart conversation. My friends, that's the heart of the retreat that I want for all you people. That you arrive at a point where like this little boy, you have a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus. And often what, often what blocks us most is our pride. Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. Unless you, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. And the opposite of child being a child is pride and also worrying. Have you ever worried? Not yet? Worrying is a sign of a lack of trust in God. So pray that, pray that you be able to imitate this little child. So the first meeting, he looks at Jesus, he talks to him, and his heart is moved to compassion because he sees the nails in his hands and his feet. That's what you're going to do in this first meditation. You're going to be standing underneath the cross, like this little boy.
you're going to be stabit mata. You're going to be standing at the foot of the cross. So you're going to be trying to imitate this little boy in your meditation. You're going to become the little child. So, he comes back the following day. And he's always doing this on the sly. On the sly. So he climbs up again. And he looks at that man on the cross and he starts to talk to him. And what's happening is the conversation is going deeper and deeper. Is your conversation with Jesus going deeper after three days? Hello? I hope so. That should be your desire the rest of your life, that your relationship with Jesus will be going deeper and deeper and deeper. That you'll have a desire to be that little boy climbing up to be able to see Jesus, contemplate Jesus, and have a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus. That's the definition of prayer of the great Cardinal Newman. Maybe you heard of John Henry Newman. His prayer is a heart-to-heart, colloquy conversation with God. So the next time he goes up, he looks at Jesus and he notices a, a bony rib cage. What does a bony rib cage? That guy's pretty skinny, huh? Skinny people, they don't have enough to eat. This is the reasoning of the little boy. So what does he do? He runs into the kitchen on the sly when the brothers are not there. And what does he do? He looks in the cupboard to see if there's anything that he can bring this man to eat. And guess what he finds? Panivino. I think you know what pan means in, in, in Spanish. In, 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 in Italian, it's pane. Okay? In French, it's pan. So he sees some bread there, and he grabs the bread, and on the slide, there he goes back to the upper room. And he gives this man some bread. I think there's a symbol here, bread and wine. Do you pick up, pick up the drift? Bread and wine. And he gives it to this man on the cross, and the man thanks him. Are we thankful? Are we thankful? The great Wine mystic Meister Eckhart said if the only prayer we ever said in our life were thanksgiving, it would be enough. Shakespeare. Macbeth. Here's a good one for you, you English majors. More painful than a serpent's tooth is that of an ungrateful child. Wow. (laughs) That's Bill Shakespeare, huh?
St. Ignatius is going to point out the essence of sin is ingratitude. The essence of sin is ingratitude. Do you people want to receive a lot of graces from God? Thank God. I spent a good hour and a half, two hours in my room praying before I came here. And half of my prayer was just thanking God. I'm praying for you people. Say thank you, Father. You're welcome. Half of my prayer was just thank- I was thanking God. I was in a lot of consolation this morning. Thanking God. Thanking God for my life, for my baptism. The fact that I didn't come from a dysfunctional family. I came from a very good family. That's one in a million today, right? Thanking God for the Eucharist. Thanking God for Mary. Thanking God for so many natural gifts and supernatural. I mean, I would, I would go on and on just thanking God. No? I could have spent another hour if I had to be with you people. <laughs> so there's an attitude of gratitude between Jesus and this little boy. Now, if you, drink, if you just eat dry bread, what's going to happen to your palate? You're probably going to be, as we say in New York, thirsty. You're probably going to be thirsty, right? <laughs> yeah. So what does the boy do? Once again, he's going into the pantry, and what does he see there? Vino. What does vino mean? Vino, that's Spanish for wine. So he brings the wine in, and... He lifts up the wine so that Jesus can drink wine. It's interesting. Isn't Jesus going to turn wine into his precious blood at the Last Supper? Won't that be poured forth on Calvary on Good Friday, his precious blood? I I love being an English major because a good part of it is picking up symbolism. It's symbolism. What is a symbol? It's a physical reality with a spiritual meaning behind it. And we we communicate through symbols. Look at my hand now. Look at my hand. Okay, look at my hand now. Is it the same? The same hand, right? One is a friendly, another one, I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich, huh? (laughs) Very different, but it's the same hand, but two different symbolic gestures. So, he gives to Jesus... Pane vino, bread and wine. How are we going to end this retreat? Pane vino, with a mass, right? Do you know what Eucharist means in Greek? It means Thanksgiving. That's what it means. Did you know that? Eucharist means Thanksgiving. And then the little boy goes up again and they're and their conversation is going longer and deeper. Hopefully that's what's happening with you as you head toward the end of the retreat. Longer conversations and more profound conversations with Jesus. That's the goal of the retreat. At least that's my goal for you. Help you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. That's why I came. I came to be a John the Baptist, to connect you with Jesus. 
I decrease, he increase. Amen? Yeah. Now, not only are his bones jutting out of his chest, but also he, he, he doesn't have any clothes on except a loincloth. What does that mean? He's going to be cold. He's going to be cold. So what does the little boy do? He goes into his bedroom, he brings his blanket, and he gives Jesus his blanket. So the little boy's going to be shivering at night. What is compassion? The willingness to suffer for the loved one. Cum passio, to suffer with. That's what you're going to be begging for this morning. With Marcelina and the Blessed Virgin Mary, willingness to suffer with Jesus. Like your mothers, did your child ever have a fever and you had to spend the night with your child, giving them St. Joseph aspirin and you know, putting some cloth? You probably did that. If you're a mother, you probably did, right? Isn't that compassion toward your child? Well, we want to do that with Jesus. We want to be compassionate to him, like Marcelino. So he's visiting him on a daily basis and the friendship is becoming more and more profound. Hopefully that's your case. Jesus is becoming your best friend. He's becoming your best friend. And I could ask you this. Of all the titles you have for Jesus, there are many. Many titles. The Christ, the Way, the Truth, the Life, the Alpha, the Omega, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God. Many, these are called Christological titles. What's your favorite? Can I tell you my favorite? El Amigo Kenyukafaya, my best friend. For me, that's where I am now in my relationship with Christ. Jesus is my best friend. What did Jesus say at the Last Supper to his apostles? I call you friends, not servants. For myself as a priest for the last few years, having Jesus as my best friend, that's who he is. Of course he's God too, but he's my best friend. Is he your best friend? If you can say at the end of this retreat, Jesus and Mary are my two best friends, this will be the best retreat in your life. If you can go, you can, I, Jesus and Mary and St. Joseph too are you, my three best friends and I, I will cultivate my friendship with them until I get to heaven. If that can be one proposal, you're on the highway to holiness. You are. In a certain sense, if he's not, you're going to be living a lot of a lot of time in desolation. You are. Because you're seeking, you're seeking God in the wrong place. So he goes up another time and he looks at what does Jesus have on his head? A crown. 
but not a crown of diamonds or gold. It's a crown of thorns. Have any of you ever done any garden work? I have. I live in Hawaiian Gardens, California. Yeah. I've done some. My mom had a garden, and I was the unpaid laborer for my mom. Okay? Pulling up the weeds, and she'd plant roses. I don't think I've ever seen. Some thorns can be like this. Other thorns can be that, that big. And they can be very sharp. So imagine a really big, sharp thorn that's woven into a crown and pressed on the head. It's not a joke. And some of the commentaries say that if the thorn is about an inch, it could almost arrive at your, at your brain. It's going to penetrate the skull. So Marcelina sees that. And what does he do in the, in the movie? He climbs up a ladder. And he takes the crown of thorns off the head of Jesus, probably cutting his little hands. Do you love? What's the definition of love we find in St. Faustina? Love is the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Some of you have children who have walked away from the church. You're suffering. Are you willing to suffer for them for their salvation? Are you? Are you willing to walk the extra mile? Are you willing to pray the extra rosary? Are you willing to maybe deprive yourself of what you like? Are you maybe willing to do a little bit of fasting? Are you willing maybe to, okay, hey, wait, maybe, okay, Father Groom said it, I will make my holy hour every morning, even though I don't feel like it, for the salvation of those wandering sheep in my family. Maybe you can offer your holy hour even for that, even though you don't feel like it. You offer that time, you're getting up a little bit earlier, I'm going to offer this, for my son, that he will return and you'll be saved. I love that definitely. Love is the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Love is the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Let me tell you something interesting. Uh, where, where I am in California about 40 years ago it was like the second biggest infested gang city in the country. <laughs> yeah, what? Hawaiian Gardens. And you, you're not from California so you don't know what I'm talking about. It was just filled with gang members. No? So, one occasion a guy came to us to talk to us about what to do with what to, Spanish they called the cholos, pandilleros. And he set up this group called Barrios Unidos, which means, uh, how to translate that, Communities United. And we had lunch with this guy. He was the president of the group, knowing that the gardens, I call it the gardens, is filled with, is famous for three things. The casino, 
the gang members in St. Peter Schnell, where we have a church, okay? <laughs> and he told us the way in which you could convert the most hardened gang members from East L.A., Compton, you know, those big cities maybe seen in the movies, no? What do you think? I'm going to say it will shock you, and then you're going to start to nod and say, ah, how wise. Give, them, give the gang members retreats. But who's going to give the talks? This will knock you off your chair. Not the priest, nor the catechist, but the mothers of the gang members to give the retreats. Yeah. Why? Because they hate everyone. But there's one person that they don't hate is their mother. They love their mother because they know that their mother has always been there for them. And even though the mother maybe is not a professional teacher, tripping over words, has never given a public talk in her life, there she is. Can you imagine this? There you got a guy, 250 pounds, from tattoos, from a Eyebrows to his feet, with, a, with the sunglasses, he, he's bald, the white t-shirt, the baggy pants. Look, that's a typical L.A. gang member. <laughs> and there she is. There's my son right there. The worst gang member in L.A. That guy, he's my son. I love him. I love him. I visited him in prison 25 times, and she gives him a hug. And I really want him to come back to God and go to confession. The hardest guy in East L.A. gets up and goes in confessional because of the tears of his tears and the love of his mother. You mothers, you understand that? Yes. Love is the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Love is the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Did Monica suffer for Augustine? 31 years. Was he converted? Became one of the greatest saints in the Catholic Church. Welcome to the St. Monica Society of Nebraska. Huh? We have a Mass every Friday in our church. We invite the mothers to come in and pray for their wandering children. Every Friday we do that. Spanish, English. Spanish, English. Every Friday. Because that's the way to bring them back to prayers, the sacrifice, and the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So Marcelina pulls the crown of thorns off Jesus, cutting his little hands. Cutting his hands. Are we willing to allow our hands to be cut and bruised for our children? It's a story of a little five-year-old girl that was sitting at the table and saw that her hands, the hands of her mother, were cut 
had scars. And every day the little girl would look at that. And one day the little girl asked the mother, why do you have those scars? He said, when you were a little baby, you fell into the fire and I pulled you out of the fire. That's why I've got these scars. And the little girl said, Mommy, I love those scars. And she kissed those scars. True story. So love is a willingness to suffer for the loved one. So we've arrived at the culmination of the movie. Now the friendship between these two is profound. Their hearts are one. In the mystical life, our our hearts become one with the lover. Hopefully, most of you know a little bit about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. A little bit. St. Margaret Mariella Cook, 1600s. The Sacred Heart appears to her in Paris Le Monial. Behold the heart that loves so much and receives only, only in gratitude. And she could see her heart in the heart of Jesus was St. Claude de la Colombière, her spiritual director. That's what we want to aim at as we end this retreat. We want our heart to be united with the heart of Jesus and Mary. Amen? Yeah. Amen. That's our goal. So this friendship is going deeper and deeper and deeper. Unless we decide to give time to the Lord. If we're not willing to give time to the Lord, we're never going to grow in friendship. Okay, many of you are married. Many of you are married, whether you like it or not, right? Hopefully you like it, huh? You want a divorce? Less, less and less time with your, with your husband. You're, you're heading toward problems, and you're heading toward a divorce. I'm a product of the 60s. I'm not a professional singer, but I could hold a tune. Hello, goodbye. Hello, goodbye, I don't know why you say hello, I say goodbye. She says yes, you say no, I say go, and you say no, 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 ho, ho, ho. You say hello, and I say goodbye. You ever hear that song? Called the Beatles, huh? Beatles of the 60s. That song is great. That's symbolic of our modern world. How do, you, how do you summarize the lyrics of that song? You have to be a music major to understand that. We're basically saying we don't have time for each other. You know, the, the Beatles were really prophets of what's going on today. 
Listen to Harry Chafin, The Cat in the Cradle. Harry Chafin, The Cat in the Cradle. We don't have time for each other. So if you want to establish a friendship with Christ, you've got to give him time. And you've got to give your your husband time. No, I'm too busy. When you you say, I'm too busy because you have other priorities. In a certain sense, that's idolatry. It is. What is idolatry? Placing any person, place, or thing above God. So we have to have proper priorities. And one of the purposes of this retreat is to order the disorder. We all have disorders in our lives. We want to order the disorder. And if you honestly love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're going to love your husband and your children. Believe me. An old dog can't learn new tricks. I'm an old dog here, no? (laughs) A lot of experience with marriage problems. If you put Christ in the center, as this little boy is doing, you can have a good marriage. I want to tell you a personal story. Uh, Nine years ago, I traveled from California to New Hampshire. That's a long flight. From the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. From the Pacific to the Atlantic. (laughs) And you know why I I traveled such a long flight is because I was asked to celebrate a diamond jubilee. Do any of you know what a diamond jubilee is? So the the silver is 25, the golden is the 50. Silver can be one or two, can be 60 or 75. Okay, so it can be 62. This time it was 60. A couple married 60 years. Any of you married 60 years? I, I doubt it. So I said the Mass. It was a wonderful Mass. There was a lot of people there. And then after Mass, the couple invited me to have dinner with them. So sitting down, shooting the breeze, having a nice Merlot or Cabernet. That's my wine, okay? <laughs> just one glass, though, okay? And we were just shooting the breeze, having a real good time. During the conversation, one of them, I think it was the wife, said, you know, in 60 years, 60 years now, We never had one serious problem in 60 years. And they have nine kids, 39 grandchildren, and they actually have a son that's a priest, and that priest is talking to you right now. (laughs) My parents, no. Never, never one serious problem in 60 years. Can you imagine that? You know why? Because they put God in the center of their marriage. And none of you, I don't think any of you have nine kids. How many of you have 39 grandchildren? 
It's because, that, obviously, they're not perfect. But they put God first, they give the problem to God, God solves the problem. So even in your family, if you don't put God first, you can have family problems. And I say moral ones, too. Drinking, drugs, unfaithfulness, pornography, all those things, they're going to get in there. If you don't put God first. And I'm eternally thankful. I just look back at those 18 years. I only have happy memories of those 18 years. The nine of us, we all left home at, at 18. Doctor, soldier, priest. My sister married, I have eight kids, no? Those years were good because God, God was in the center. If you have a egocentric life or a Christocentric, we want to make sure that it's not egocentric, but it's Christocentric. Fulton Sheen. You've heard of Fulton Sheen? Yeah, because you mentioned him. Okay, Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen wrote many books. He wrote a book for you people, for the married life. Have you read it? Takes three to get married. Who would that be? The husband, the wife, and the mother-in-law, right? The husband, the wife, and Jesus Christ. Amen? Fulton Sheen mentions... Do you know the three rings of the married life? Do you know? Do you know? Can I tell you? The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. <laughs> you ever hear of Catherine of Saint Catherine of Siena? You heard of her? She said, Jesus, give me, give me the crown of thorns that's most painful. And Jesus said, no, I reserve that for the married people. <laughs> <laughs> so Marcelino, he climbs up for the last time. And the relationship is going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know, all of us have, all of us are wounded. We're wounded. Admit it, we're all wounded. And as Henri Nguyen says, either we will be wounded wounders or wounded healers. Henri Nguyen was one of the greatest theologians last century. He worked at L'Arche with the handicapped people. Either we're going to be wounded wounders or wounded healers. We can be wounded 
healers if we go to the wounds of Christ and allow him to heal us. And all of you have a deep wound in your heart. And it, it could be that you're afraid to open up to, to anyone because it's such a deep personal wound. But you should never be inhibited or fearful to open up that wound to Christ. He understands you better than you understand yourself. Often we are a mystery under ourselves. We're an, an, an enigma, there's a good word. We're a mystery, we're an enigma under ourselves. But Jesus knows us even better than we know ourselves. What do you think was the biggest suffering of little Marcelino? I'm I'm I thought I was going to hear 80 voices just like that. I'm surprised. The fact that he never had a mother. I mean, he had a mother, but he never, he never knew his mother. Obviously he had a mother, but he never, he never saw his mother. So there he is. He climbs up the stairs, and he's got this great friendship with Jesus, which you're going to have at the end of this retreat and the rest of your life, right? <laughs> I believe it. That's going to be my prayer in the Mass. Already Jesus is his best friend, his confidant. His confidant, yeah. So he climbs up. And now he's, he's got somewhat of a heavy heart because something has been bothering him the whole time. He looks at Jesus on the cross and their friendship is so deep now. And he looks up at Jesus. He says, Jesus, I want to talk to you about something that's been bothering me. What's that? And the little boy says, well, as he's looking at the cross, you know, Jesus, I've never experienced the love of a mother. Never experienced that. I really love to be with you. You are my friends. I love to be with Franciscans. They're my friends. They're my brothers. They're my fathers. I really like to be with them. I'm part of their family. But my friendship with you is even more important. I've always wondered... What is it like to have a mother? What is it like to have a mother? Because the paternal love and the maternal love is very different. I don't care what the transgender movement says, but there is a difference, right? <laughs> the love of a mother and a father is very different. And then he says, Jesus, do you have a mother? Jesus, do you have a mother? And that moment Jesus says, yes. Yes, I had and I still have 
the best of mothers. What's the name of the mother? Oh, her, her name is Mary. Ah, oh, Mary. What's she like? She's loving. She's tender. She's merciful. She's kind. She's compassionate. She's always available. She's the best. And tears are welling up in the eyes of this little boy. Can I see her? You want to see her? I want to see her. I really want to see her. I want to be with her. So in that moment, there's thunder and lightning in the upper room. And the little boy drops back. He drops back. He falls down. In that moment, the little boy passes away. But he doesn't so much pass away. He passes from one place to another. He's taken up to heaven. And who's there to greet him in heaven? Mary, his mother. She receives him, welcomes him, embraces him, and kisses him. And says, welcome home, my little boy. So my friends, all of you are called to be Marcelino Panivino. To grow every day in your love and friendship with Jesus until you're welcomed in heaven by the love and embrace of your Heavenly Mother. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now, yeah, Glory be to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you have, uh, I think until 11, is it? Okay, you have until 10. And then at 10, there's the next talk, and then I think the Mass is 11. Okay? So now you've got, you've got your time. You might even just stay where you're at and just, you have your Bible, and just relive the talk that I gave to you. Because look, Jesus is on the cross, right? And who's behind the cross? Jesus in the tabernacle. Yeah. So all of you become Marcelina Panadino.